just in time for summer, the folks at Epic Brewing have released a new canned cocktail, the Utah Margarita. A delicious blend of real lime and agave, the Utah Margarita is ready to drink by the river or in the park. And here's the kicker, no need to buy it at a liquor store. Pick up a six-pack of Epic Brewing's Utah Margarita at any local Harmon's or Trader Joe's, or visit Epic Brewing on State Street in downtown Salt Lake City. It's Emily Means filling in for Ali Vallarta, and here's what Salt Lake's talking about. It's primary election day, and the race is on to replace outgoing Congressman Chris Stewart. There are three GOP candidates vying for his seat in the 2nd Congressional District. So what's the difference between them? And why is this election so important? It's Tuesday, September 5th, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. Lindsay Ertz, KSL News Radio reporter. Happy primary election. Ah, this is the day we've been waiting for, Emily, for such a long time. The day we've been talking about for months and months. It's finally here. Well, I am so excited you made some time for us. I am a huge fan of yours and the reporting you've been doing during this primary election season, um, especially around the race to fill outgoing Congressman Chris Stewart's seat. It's been a wild ride. You've been so on top of it. Why is this election so important? Well, this election is so important because we are filling the seat of an outgoing congressman. As we know, uh, Congressman Chris Stewart stepping down for his wife's health reasons uh, to spend more time with his family. And the process that happens in Utah is we have to replace that congressman. So we have to have a special election in order to fill his seat. Now, this seat will get filled for the remainder of Congressman Stewart's term, which is the rest of this year, 2023, and then the entire year of 2024. But what's really interesting in all of that is that at the beginning of 2024, and as we go into um, the election year, Mm. uh, this seat will have to go up for election again. So in 2024 next year. Yeah. So this seat. Oh, no. Yeah. So we're going to the person who fills the term only fills it for about 18 months. And then we elect another person. Presumably that person who gets elected in November of this year will run again for reelection. But they'll have to turn around and do it quickly because the filing deadlines for that race are in January. They're in the beginning of next year. Oh, my God. Okay, so a lot is happening, even more than I anticipated. (laughs) And I mean, it's been kind of messy, like lining all this stuff up and making sure, you know, this special election ran smoothly and, you know, how it coincides with the municipal elections that are also happening. Can you give us like a quick catch up on some of that drama and some of those pieces that had to fall into place? Yeah, it was a lot of drama at the time. This was back in, I think, late May um, when the news first broke that uh, Congressman Stewart would be resigning. And so there was this whole like, what's going to happen? When are we planning the special election? And the head Republicans in this state didn't want the seat to sit vacant for too long. Um, There were some specific rules and laws in place, according to Utah's election laws, that wouldn't have allowed for us to fill the seat until the next election. And so it 
was their prerogative to move the election date so they could fill the seat as quickly as possible. Now, we still should note out, I think this has maybe been lost a little bit in all of this, that the seat will still sit vacant for a few months between the time this person gets elected in November and then uh, Chris Stewart's planning to resign mid-September. So from September through October and the early part of November, this seat will be vacant. So it's like two-ish months. I don't know what that means Mm -hmm. for Utah if Congress has any important votes in that time. But I think that was all thought through to think through what's the shortest amount of time possible this seat can remain vacant and are there any big budget votes or anything like that in the time between this new person getting elected and the other person coming on board? So and Chris Stewart resigning. There needed to be a little bit of calculus that uh, that the Republican Party did there to determine how long the second congressional district, which spans a lot of this state. I mean, it goes from northern Utah all the way down to what, St. George? With Yeah, so it encompasses pretty much the west side of the state, uh, basically from Davis County all the way on the west side of the state down through St. George. So all of Washington County is in District 2 and all those rural counties on the west side. There are 13 total counties in District 2. Got it. Including Salt Lake County, which is why we're talking to you about this right now. (laughs) A portion of it. In fact, you all in Salt Lake City have, or Salt Lake County rather, have 40,000 registered Republican voters in CD2 who are casting ballots in this race. Wow, that seems like a sizable chunk. And I want to talk about turnout a little bit later on. But first, I want to know more about the three Republican primary candidates who are looking to fill Chris Stewart's seat. We've got Celeste Malloy, Bruce Huff and Becky Edwards. Lindsay, what? differentiates them from each other. Yeah, well, they're all by and large Republicans, right, in terms of the traditional values that you hear of Republicans espousing and and the major party platforms. I think where they differ a little bit is in their experience. Obviously, Becky Edwards, a former state lawmaker up in Davis County, um, she worked in the Utah State Legislature for 10 years, so has a lot of experience lawmaking. Um, Celeste Malloy, working for Congressman Stewart as chief legal counsel, So not necessarily ever been an elected official, but has Mm -hmm. some ins and outs of the federal government and how it operates and how to get laws passed. And then Bruce Huff has a ton of business experience. He's also held elected position just in a city. He was a city councilor a while back. So he does have mm-hmm. some government experience, but spent a long time as the Republican Party's national committee man, who's basically the person who represents Utah's Republican Party with the national RNC. So he has a lot of inside party knowledge there and has been working um, just in a public service role for a long time. Mm -hmm. And so their backgrounds vary, but how are they trying to distinguish themselves from each other? Because they have to convince Republicans, 40,000 Republicans in Salt Lake County, that they're the best Republican for the job. Yeah. And you saw Becky Edwards do this a lot in her Senate campaign, just establishing herself as a pragmatic Republican. I don't totally know what that means in terms of like the specific stances. Um, But, you know, you've seen some criticisms of her as well from hardcore Republicans Mm. that she's really a Democrat in disguise. I don't know that that's a fair characterization of her. And she certainly wouldn't say that. 
And so apparently that's a pejorative term now as well, too. We just call each other the other side's name as a pejorative, right? You're a Republican. No, you're a Democrat. That's the worst thing you can be. (laughs) Well, I have to tell you, Lindsay, I've been watching Hulu. I've been watching Only Murders in the Building on Hulu. And I'm getting a lot of Becky Edwards ads there, which is kind of funny. And... I think, you know, she must certainly be aware that people are doubting her credibility as a Republican because these ads are like, I'm going to fight China and Washington spending is out of control. You know, like all of the Republican red meat that she's trying to uh, trying to convince voters that she's, you know, that she's on board with. Yeah. And so I think Celeste Malloy and Bruce Huff tend to lean a little bit more conservative than she does. Um, Celeste Malloy has really focused on that rural vote. So she has a residence in Iron County and a small town, grew up in Nevada, um, but has been working on these rural issues for a long time. So really touts herself having these rural roots and being able to use that to her advantage when working with the farmers, the agriculture uh, groups who really have a vested interest in some of the issues that impact CD2. You think about the BLM issues Mm -hmm. where such a a large swath of land is federally controlled in our state. And so um, her, she would tout, you know, having that experience to work with some of those um, agencies that she doesn't love overreaching, she says, into Utah when it comes to public Mm -hmm. lands. Um, And then Bruce Huff, you know, with his business experience, he really talks a lot about the the debt. He always talks about how he has, I think it's his campaign line, 10 grandchildren and $22 trillion in debt. That's why he's running for office, right? So he talks about that federal nice. spending and kind of reining it in. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, where these candidates live is interesting to me, Lindsay. You mentioned Celeste is kind of posing herself as the rural Utah candidate. Uh, Becky Edwards is from Davis County and Bruce Huff is from Summit County. Yeah, I think he lives in Park City. City? Yeah. So this district, as we mentioned, spans a huge swath of the state, both rural and urban parts of the state. So how is where these candidates are from playing into into that dynamic? Yeah, I don't know if it's so much really something that voters, I mean, care about. You saw it as an issue in the um, conventions, right? But the convention crowd is much more conservative than the mainstream Republican rank and file Republicans. So, you know, if you're a voter and and your representative doesn't live in your district, certainly that's something you can be like, how are you even representing me if you don't, you know, live in the area where I live and deal with the issues that I live with? Just to jump in real quick, do they all live in district two or not i don't think bruce huff lives in district two yeah so Uh and sometimes that can come up too as as an issue right right exactly so becky edwards and um, celeste malloy do live in district two and again celeste has really taken that rural utah roots route and homegrown girl kind of messaging and uh, tried to parlay that in fact i talked to her just on thursday of last week and she said to me i believe that the rural vote is going to swing this election she thinks that the district is made up of about two hundred and ten thousand of them registered republicans and and the majority of those live in three counties, Davis, Salt Lake, and Washington counties. So the majority of the people live in three counties. The other, however much percentage, live off the Wasatch Front and in some of the other rural counties. I mean, one of those is Tooele, so it's kind of Wasatch Front, but kind of not. So the 10 other counties represent the other chunk of people. And so it really speaks to kind of a campaign strategy. Do you focus on those rural counties, even though there's less people?
people there who you need the votes. And Celeste believes, yeah, she thinks that the three candidates, because they only have to get about 30 percent of the vote, 33, 34 percent to win because there's three candidates in the race. Right. The urban counties will split and then the rural vote will tip the scales even by a few percentage points to put somebody over the Mm. top. So that is where she spent a lot of her focusing. Uh, Meanwhile, you've seen Becky Edwards, uh, like you say, with ads on Hulu, I would imagine she's targeting to a young female watching that show. Right. (laughs) So I don't know if that tends to be a more conservative voter or or what, but uh, her messaging... <laughs> the only murders in the building yeah, contingent yeah. she's really... That's the vote she's after. <laughs> Catering to. The Emily Means vote. That's what she's after. <laughs> so, but you've just seen her, you know, a little bit more, uh, you know, in those urban areas. And she has the name ID and the money from the Senate race that she participated in right. less than a year ago. And so she's kind of banking on that, too, to help her win this race. The Living Traditions Festival is back in downtown Salt Lake City, May 17th through 19th. And this is when I come alive. It is so easy to sell me on three days of Washington Square and Library Square converting to a global food court. And this festival has truly been one of my favorites for years now. Living Traditions convenes the diversity of artistic traditions, food heritage, music, and art from the many cultures that have made Utah their home. You can expect everything from live music and dance to hands-on workshops, a little shopping, Sundance film screenings, and Bohemian Brewery. There is something for the whole family, and it's free entry. Come celebrate all of the rich cultures that make up our community. Find more information on the festival and view the full program guide at livingtraditionsfestival.com or on Instagram and Facebook at SLC Living Trad. We talk a lot on this show about our city's crown jewels. What are the institutions that open doors in our community and regulate its pulse? I choose Salt Lake Community College, and it is a home for incredibly focused Salt Lakers. Nearly 80% of their students work while going to school, many full-time jobs. If I could do college all over again, I would not be 33 and sitting on these damn student loans. And slick students aren't. 80% graduate with little to no student loan debt or save thousands knocking out credits before transferring to a four-year institution. Every day, Salt Lake Community College is transforming lives and communities through education. If you want to learn something new, refine a trade, or pursue a higher degree for the first time, explore your options at slcc.edu. Study alongside hard workers, save precious money, And be one in a class of 19, not 100. Okay, so we've spent a lot of time talking about these three Republican primary candidates, but we are already seeing ads for the Democratic candidate in this race, State Senator Kathleen Reby, even though we're months ahead of the general election. But in Utah, Lindsay, history has shown It is the Republican primary that determines who will represent us at the state and federal levels. So what would it take for that to change? Or is this just something Democrats and other parties will have to accept forever? 
It's a hard thing to sit with because the numbers just don't parse it out that a Democrat can win, especially after we redistrict it. It makes the districts solidly Republican, all four of them in the state. And so, you know, it's really hard when you talk to the Democrats because they believe they can win. And and Kathleen mm-hmm. Reby is in this race to win. And Frankly, she deserves as fair a shot as any of the Republicans, but the numbers just aren't there. So it's really hard to think that that is is going to happen. You know, um, I think you've seen Kathleen Reby, even before this Republican, who she knows who a Republican primary challenger will be, already started to push that freedom first message. And that's kind hmm. of a tagline from Republicans, I, be, I feel like, where they, they often talk about Tell me more. freedom first. <laughs> so this is just my personal observation. I haven't spoken to her or anything, but certainly a message like that might grab some of those swing voters, some of those voters who bridge the gap between Republicans Republicans and Democrats, those more centrist Republicans, perhaps. So I think if you're going to see Democrats pull anything off, it's going to be in the swath of undecided voters who are possibly, you know, sick of Republican leadership who just want to change, especially at the federal level uh, with the House majority and Democrat majority in the House of Representatives. So this race um, vitally important, but all signs are pointing to a Republican is going to take it. But I think if a Democrat is going to pull any weight, it's going to be have to grab some of those on the fence Republicans. Right, right. And I believe there's also a third party in the mix here, a United Utah party candidate or something. Is is there? Or did I make that up? Yeah, there's actually no, there's several third party candidates and a couple of undeclared candidates. But to be honest, I haven't even put eyes on the general election yet because I'm trying to get yeah. through September 5th today as well. <laughs> so <laughs> and I've had the Democrats reach out to me and be like, hey, here's a story. And I'm like, when the primary is over, I'm sorry, but I just can't give it light right now because uh, we just have That's to get fair. through the Republican primary to figure out who the contender is going to be. And then we have a race to talk about. Right. That's fair. All in due time. So, Lindsay, I mean, this is uh, not a presidential election year, but we do have this shiny, you know, surprise congressional seat at the top of the ticket. So can you give us a picture into what turnout is looking like for early voting so far? Okay, so I don't have new numbers as of today, but I looked at it late last week. And as we were going into this holiday weekend, it was about a 21 percent turnout district wide. So that's the entire district. About 20 percent of ballots had been turned in. Now, over this past weekend is when the vast majority of people get their ballots in. Now, keep in mind, we're only looking at registered Republicans in CD2. Again, there's about 210,000 of them. So those are the only swath of ballots that are coming in uh, for this CD2 race and then all your cities who have municipals. Salt Lake Mm. City maybe isn't paying as close of attention because we have a ranked choice voting election for the big mayor's race and all our city council races will be ranked choice voting in November. So there's no primary elections for those. So if you're listening to this podcast and you're like, I didn't get a ballot, I don't even know what's going on. It's because you don't have an election. Your city doesn't have an election. But um, several cities in Salt Lake County do have municipal elections right now. And also there's about 40,000 registered Republicans in this chunk of CD2 that is in Salt Lake County. You mentioned kind of the district wide turnout, but are there any 
counties in particular that uh, that are really showing up so far? Well, when I looked at these numbers late last week, we knew that Wayne County had the highest turnout uh, thus far with about 33 oh. percent. I'm not sure how wow. many voters are in. Where's Wayne County? I, 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 I got to look at a map. I don't know. But um, know. the the 33 percent turnout in Wayne County. So maybe that does speak to the rural vote a little bit in the turnout. Um, and then the county with the lowest turnout was Tooele County at about 15 percent. Mm. In the middle there, when you look at Davis, Salt Lake, and Washington, you've got Davis at a high 20s, uh, 27% at least, if not more by now. Salt Lake County about 24%, if not more by now. Uh, so some of these urban counties are you know, at higher turnout overall than the general district. But if we were at 20% you know, late last week, uh, about a third of the ballots come in, like a third right away, a third in the middle, and then a third... Uh, um, in this mm-hmm. week, this past weekend before Election Day, we should be on pace to hit about 40, 45 percent turnout, which would be on par and not the worst turnout in the world that we've ever seen uh, for a special election. Yeah, that doesn't sound too terrible. And I would imagine a lot of it has to do with, you know, folks turning in their mail in ballots. Uh, it's made accessing elections so much easier for so many people. But Lindsay, I saw you had a story recently that a Republican legislator wants to make more work for people to get their mail-in ballots. Um, Can you just quickly summarize what is happening here and why? Well, she wouldn't describe it that way. She wouldn't describe it as more work. But because I'm a journalist, I will describe it in (laughs) neutral terms. You can take (laughs) me too. But (laughs) that is more work. But uh, but that is one of the pushbacks to her bill. So Representative Kira Berkland wants to require an opt in for voting by mail. So this is right now the state mails uh, ballots automatically to active registered voters. That means you voted once in the last two federal elections. You're considered active. You don't have to do anything. The ballot shows up on your doorstep. Well, Kira Berkland wants to require you to opt in, which would mean you've got to check a box either on vote.utah.gov or when you register, you would opt in. You'd do it once and then you'd be opted in for life. You could go and opt out. And then at this point, you can opt out right now if you want. You can call your county clerks and say, I don't want to receive a mail-in ballot. I'll just go in person. And that's one of her arguments. She argues that there's waste out there in terms of taxpayer money if we're printing all these ballots, but then some swath of people don't vote their ballot, then that's wasted paper and postage, right? So that's one of her arguments. But I will point out that in the midterms of 2022, 93-ish percent of the state voted by mail. So it's not a huge percentage of people who are not voting their ballots. Now, there's another swath of what we call undeliverable rates, in election administration speak, those are ballots that get mailed back to the county clerks that they can't get to an address, right? They don't have the right address on file. Or maybe a house is getting a ballot who doesn't live there anymore. And that's always kind of one of the arguments of vote by mail is our voter rolls aren't clean enough. We're sending these to people who don't actually live in Utah or we don't have the right address for them. And who knows where they end up, right? Uh, First of all, there are other security measures in place that those extra ballots cannot be voted. You have to sign your ballot and their signature gets verified. So unless you can squeak past, you know, election signature certifiers, which is really hard to do. 
and that's fraud. You'd be arrested for that. So uh, it's just really not likely uh, that that's going to happen. And sure, you could make the argument for um, some of the taxpayer waste. But if you're requiring an opt-in option to vote by mail, then presumably you're going to have a lot fewer people opt-in because it requires work, right, to go and opt-in. But then you're going to increase in-person voting. And the cost of that is going to trump any savings you make by not uh, doing a, a mail-in ballot. And so we talked about all those costs and she, you know, pushed back on some of my my assertions and, and points. And she just believes that uh, voting requires some action. And she even said it was a privilege, um, that it's a privilege to vote and voters should have to take some action to vote, not just sit and wait for their ballots to show up. Now, listen, it's a lot of a lot of work for me to walk to my ballot drop box and drop it in. It's a lot of work for people to be educated about candidates and, you know, make a make a good decision for themselves and, and their community. So um, I'm just interested to see how, you know, Republican legislators continually bring back these efforts to kind of chip away at mail-in voting. We've seen it in the past, um, and I guess we'll we'll see it in the next legislative session, too. Yeah, and let me just point out, this bill is a talker, right? It's, a, it's an easy subject to just talk about to get people's opinions on it, but it remains to be seen if it actually has legislative support. I had one mm. conversation with the chair of the Government Ops Committee, uh, Senator Daniel Thatcher, who um, chairs that committee where this bill will be heard, and uh, Representative Brooklyn is trying to get it heard in this October interim committee. So anyone who's interested in oh. this topic can peek into that committee and um, watch it discussed if it if it does end up on an agenda. But he just said, you know, he's willing to have the conversation. Um, but it, I would be hard pressed to find a lot of support for undoing the system we have now. It seems like uh, Lieutenant Governor's office is very in favor of the system we have now, and uh, they run elections. So uh, it would be hard to garner the support to change that totally, completely, you know. Um, okay, Lindsay, before I let you go, do you have any last-minute info for last-minute voters? It's primary election day. It's literally the very last minute. Literally, you can still turn in your ballot if you're listening to this on Tuesday, September 5th. So I'll just point that out. I know everyone listens to podcasts at different times, but if it's Tuesday, September 5th, uh, you can still go put your ballot in the mail by getting it postmarked. It can be postmarked up until today, which is different than uh, usually we have to have it postmarked the day before election day, but the special election Mm -hmm. allowed for it and the holiday allowed for it to be postmarked today. So make sure you walk it into a post office. Watch them rubber stamp it because if you do it like late at night they may not stamp it till tomorrow and then your vote wouldn't count so postmark today any drop box near you can take it today so just get your ballot in the more people that vote the better representation we have ksl news radio reporter lindsey Ertz, thank you so much for your reporting and for uh taking the time out of your busy primary election coverage to talk with oh, us uh, emily it's an honor i hope i didn't make things more confusing because i'm in the weeds over here of election coverage <laughs> and i forget that the average joe just maybe isn't as dialed in so you can it's good to come up for air you now can always then, ask so. me basic questions so <laughs> thanks lindsey You heard, Lindsay. If you're listening to this on Tuesday, September 5th, and you haven't voted yet, you still have options. Head to your local county clerk's website for everything you need to know. I'm going to link Salt Lake County's in the show notes for you. Happy voting! That's all for us today on CityCast Salt Lake. 
Thank you for listening. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more from around the city. Bye.